Welcome back. It's Jules Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. Segment two. All right. So we're going to quickly uh, preview tonight's game against the Spurs. And we'll probably get into a little bit of what the what the Dallas Mavericks will be on Monday. What, they're, what they will bring to the table. But for tonight, obviously, you got the Spurs. You got Greg Popovich. Uh, one of the toughest places to play. The Celtics are going to have to be ready. They have to come out firing on all cylinders. They have to have a good start. Because if they fall behind against the Spurs, it's going to be tough for them to overcome. You know, the way the way they are offensively, the Spurs traditionally, they've always been an efficient offensive team over the years. So it is prevalent. It is absolutely crucial that the Celtics get a good start in this game because if they fall behind like they did in the, you know, like they started out the first week of the season, how they were falling back, falling behind in games, and even partly the second week of the season, they've had a tough, they've had a lot of tough start first, uh, a lot of tough starts to games. If they do that against San Antonio, they'll, it could be a blowout before you know it. It, it won't be, it will be a tough game to win because they'll be, they'll be always, uh, it will always be an uphill climb. Let's just say that. I've Traditionally, the Celtics have really struggled to play in San Antonio, even against the, you know, the big three era with, you know, KG and Pierce and, and Garnett, I mean, and Ray Allen and Rondo. They struggled to play in San Antonio and win in San Antonio. It's been always been a, it's always been a struggle. So it's one of those games is, is, is even, even, even when San Antonio comes to Boston, they play well. So it's going to be tough to see how they do. I, I think this will be a great test to see if this team is a possible contender. Because if they, you know, play well in this game, even if they lose, if they play well in this game, that shows you that they could be a contender. Because a lot of teams that were contenders in the past, they not, they did not they didn't play well against San Antonio, or they. They weren't able to handle that game well. So we'll see how they do. Obviously, we're not saying this is a Tim Duncan, Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker um, Spurs team, but it is still a good Spurs team. They're 5-3. and three. They're right in the mix of it in the West. They're, I would consider them somewhat of a contender in the West. So you know, they get back Deontay Murray. Um, obviously, they have Lee Marcus Aldridge just playing out of his mind right now. He's probably one of the most skilled post players in this game. And they obviously have all of those role players that are, that do well for them. Patty Mills, and they got Jocka Pertle that plays well for them. They got back in that um, Toronto trade, the DeMar DeRozan trade. And obviously, they have DeMar DeRozan. So they got a lot of weapons, just like the Celtics got a lot of weapons offensively. So... It's going to be a lot of, I think, I expect a, a game score, a lot of points scored in this game. Um, obviously, the Celtics' interior defense is going to be a problem. And, you know, who's going to who's gonna defend LaMarcus Aldridge? Who's going to shut him down? I would say probably it's going to be a team effort. Um, question is, are they going to double him? Because I think Aldridge is very good at passing out of double teams. So... If I was them, I probably wouldn't double him. I'd probably put Tice on him most of the time. Maybe switch Smart on him occasionally just to give him a different look. But 
especially if Aldridge gets comfortable, um, he he can be dangerous. I mean, remember last year's game he played, I think he had a, you know, he had a 30-point night against the Celtics on the road and beat the Celtics on the road with that Kyrie, Kyrie Irving team. Um, Spurs are tough, man, especially when they got it going offensively. They're, they're tough to stop. So the key thing is to stop Aldridge, slow him down, make it make it hard on him, make it tough on him. Um, but I have to say probably the, the matchup that I probably look for the most is that I think Marcus Smart, when he is in the game, needs to be playing against DeRozan. He needs to be playing against DeRozan. But you'll probably see Jalen Brown on DeRozan a lot, especially at the start of the game. Especially at the start of the game. You're going to you're gonna need... Um, sorry, I'm just, I got a little distracted. It was a car that passed by me. It was just... He had his engine on, like, on full throttle. It just was disturbing. But, yeah, back to what I was saying. But, yeah, Smart should definitely look to defend the Rosen a lot in this game, and especially Jalen Brown will be on him. Um, Jalen Brown should, you know, get some assignments on Aldridge as well. So they should put different guys on Aldridge. You know, I don't think you should allow Aldridge to get comfortable playing with Tice because then he'll find a way to counter Tice, whatever it ca- uh, uh, Tice has a weaknesses, and probably Tice's weakness is defending in the post. I think Alders will definitely um, dominate that, you know, that weakness. We all know Alders can do a lot of different things in the post as well. He's, he can stretch the floor and shoot the three. So he's a tough matchup overall. He's he's going to be a tough matchup, but if they can try to slow him down a bit, make it tough on him, and try to keep all those other guys from shooting a bunch of threes, then they have a chance to to sneak out with a victory. Excuse me. It ain't going to be easy, I'll tell you that. It's going to be a tough game. So, if they can, you know, they can stick to all those keys, they should have a chance to win. And then, obviously, on Monday, um, you fly back from San Antonio to Boston to play Dallas on a, um, an early Monday night game. You know, a seven o'clock, seven thirty start. So it's, that's a, overall that's a tough turnaround because you're flying all the way out west to Boston, which is going to be a tough game. This is an early game, by the way, so it's technically a three o'clock game in San Antonio. So I mean, that might be an advantage because you might have a little bit of time to recuperate because it's an early game in San Antonio. So you have a full day and a half to get ready in. Part, part of Monday because it's not going to be an early game on Monday. So you still have technically, you know, a good full two two days to get ready for the Mavericks on Monday. And that attack with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. So that's going to be obviously tough. You know, obviously, you know, Luka Doncic and Porzingis are going to bring an element of the game that they probably haven't really seen. You know, Brzingis with his ability, you know, similar to what LaMarcus Aldridge can do, can defend the, you know, excuse me, can play in the post and, you know, be a stretch big, can handle the ball, you know, well from the perimeter. And and Luka Doncic can do everything from rebound, pass, you know, score, and really get his teammates involved. 
and they really got a decent, um, a re- a decent, um, what's the word I'm, I'm freezing up right now, what's the word I'm trying to think of, but they have a decent, um, core of players outside of those, you know, the main two guys, I mean, that they got, uh, Courtney Lee, they got, um, a lot of European players, Ryan Burkhoff, Dwight Powell, um, I can go on, Seth Curry, so they got a decent core around those, uh, those two guys, I'm freezing on a few guys, but, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's an elite group around them, but, like the Lakers, but they they got some sound players that really can get the job done, and they play well alongside those two those two main pieces. And they should be um they should be tough to stop offensively. So you got two teams coming in here that are gonna be you know that are gonna be tough offensive teams. And the Celtics got to be ready. I think the bench has got to step up at least somewhat, and make an impact out there in both both games. I think the, um, the bench has made impact in games, but they haven't really made an impact offensively. Defensively, they've been pretty good. they got a lot of good defensive players come off that bench. But offensively, they might have to be the score against these teams because I don't think, you know, the combination of Hayward, you know, Walker, Jalen, and Jason can get it done. You know, granted, if they are all, if they're all four of them all, and they both they all can average about eighty to eighty to ninety points a game. But you're still going to need maybe possibly another twenty or thirty points from your bench, because it could be a game where you're going to be you know in the hundreds. Both of these games you're going to be in the hundreds because these both of these teams are very good offensive teams. So, I mean, both of these teams are I think I believe are like top ten off in offensive efficiency right now so they got to be ready for that they got to be ready for you know that offensive punch and let's see how if the defense is truly for real if the defense plays well in the in these two in these two games then we know that this team could potentially be a top five defensive team at the end of the year right now they're pretty good right now i believe they're a top 10 in efficiency wise and defensively and they're very good at getting blocks and steals so we'll see how they do we'll see how the celtics do to end the week and the beginning of the week as they face off against the Mavericks. So we're going to switch gears and get into some college basketball results for this past week. Um, well, first, let's get into the predictions I had, and then we'll compare the predictions of what the results were for this week. Um, we'll start with the first game for Providence and Sac- Sacred Heart. Um, I had Providence winning big in the you know blowout. Um, and key guys I expected um, Diallo and Lawan Pimpkins to have big games for the for the Friars. We'll see how that resulted out. But uh, and then also the next game I predicted I had UMass Lowell and UMass. I had a close game with UMass squeaking by. To win in a close game. Um, the next game I had Brown and Bryant. I had Brown winning a close game. A low scoring game in the 60s. Um, next game I had B, BU versus Northeastern. 
prediction I had Northeastern winning in double digits, which which that sound like a sound prediction, which obviously I'm giving you a foreshadowing. And then obviously the last two games I have Vermont and St. Bonaventure. I have Vermont winning big against St. Bonaventure. And then the last game I had BC versus Wake. Um, I had BC winning a close game, which was a, which I thought would be a low-scoring game. So now let's take a look at the, the, the real life results. Um, Northeastern, um, they they were able to win in double digits against BU, and so far it's been impressive. They've been two and zero, as they also was able to beat Harvard on Friday night. And then that was an impressive victory. And the big, you know, big story around it all is that Jordan Rowland, the guard for Northeastern, he's had two consecutive 40-point outings. So he scored 40 points against uh, BU, BU, and he scored 40 points against Harvard, which I thought scoring 40 points against Harvard was impressive. I mean, this kid might be a really good scorer for Northeastern all year long. He could be a guy that they rely on to be an elite scorer for them all season. Um, he's just displaying his great shooting ability, able to, you know, distribute, you know, his Hayward-like movement without the basketball. And he's been really good for Northeastern, man. Um, and it was a, it, it was a, it was an impressive showing against Harvard because. Um, he he started out hot and was able to get Northeastern a double-digit lead. They were up big in this game, early in the game. Harvard ended up coming back. You know, they had um, guys like... Uh, I'm trying to think who those guys were. But... I'm not, I'm drawing a free. I'm freezing up with that. But as far as I know, Jordan Rowland was the key component in that game, and and that was the key to their success. And that is the key to their success to this two and zero start so far. And um, Thomas Murphy has been so and so in these games, which I thought he's had to be big for them. But uh, tight uh, the. True freshman Tyson Walker stepped up in the Harvard game, had 12 points. He's definitely given the component that I thought would be an X factor for this team. If he can, they can get another guy that can, you know, that can penetrate the defense and Jordan Rowland can do his thing off the ball, they're going to be a dangerous team. So it's showing that in, this, in these first two games. Now with the next game, you had UMass and, and and UMass Lowell. UMass won that game big. They won seventy nine to sixty four. Um, they got a lot of uh, contributions for their young players, as they're a fairly you know young team. Um, they do have some experience with Carl Pierre and, and the Jerry Baptiste, but um, freshman TJ Weeks had a very impressive outing. Um, he had twenty four points. Trey Mitchell chipped in you know close to a double double out there as he had double digits Sean East played well so they they're they're young guys have been really impressive 
um, especially in that first game against UMass Lowell. They have um, a big game against Fairfield today at 1 p.m., which is just about maybe about an hour away. This is right now about 12 o'clock in the east, you know, 12.08 in the east coast. So that's about to start pretty soon. I think they should take care of business with that game. And if they do take care of business, um, they can be undefeated coming into this Northeastern game, which is obviously going to be big. We'll have to see how they do to stop Jordan Rowland. But I think UMass can definitely make things difficult for that kid because he's going to be facing off against pretty good defenders. UMass has very good, you know, very good defenders out on the wing. Call Pierre is obviously one guy that comes to mind, and TJ Weeks shows that he can defend a little bit. So they got some plays they can throw at him to make things tough on him so he doesn't just flat out just, you know, keep scoring at will. I mean, he's playing like Steph Curry out there. But we'll see how that matchup will be. Um, I might have a, a preview to that game. I might, if I can get a podcast in a little bit early on in that week. Uh, I would love to pre- preview that game. But as far as I know, I think if I had to make a little quick, you know, prediction on that, I think I think UMass might win that game. I think UMass their their athleticism and physicality could be enough to to beat Northwestern and get Jordan Rowan off his game. So I've been surprised the way the freshmen have played. The freshmen have really been impressive. And so far, I mean, with these local teams, the freshmen have definitely been pretty good for all a lot of these teams, you know, particularly, you know, I'm going to mention BC early on, I mean, later on in the um, show, how they were able to beat Wake with a, with a very impressive freshman. But we'll, we'll mention that later on. But uh, the next game which I didn't have a preview on, was UConn facing off against Sacred Heart. I thought UConn really sticked out at me as one of the most impressive teams so far locally. Um, Utah, UConn looks the part. They look like a team that can, can probably compete in a in a conference that's probably bigger than the American Conference. They probably can be a good team in the ACC. They have very good size. Um, their guard play is really outstanding. And... They look like the UConn teams of the past. Um, one guy you got to look out for is Josh Carlton. Uh, the kid is a force inside. He's 6'11", 260. Can play on both ends of the floor, block shots, score inside. Can you know can dribble the ball out on the perimeter. Has a lot of versatility to his game, and he looks like you know he could be an NBA level player, NBA level prospect. I mean, he definitely has the size for sure. And, he, and his skill set is pretty good, too. So keep an eye on that kid, Josh Carlton. And then obviously I mentioned the guards that they have. They have a trio of guards that are good. They have Gilbert. They have Vital. They have Adams. Um, they didn't have. They didn't play Josh uh, Bugnight in this game. That's how deep they are at the guard position. They didn't have to even, even play that freshman. But, uh, and even, you know, you have Richard Springs that, uh, he was out for the game because he's still suspended from the DUI that he that he partaked in a couple weeks ago. So he's suspended indefinitely. But as of right now, their death is still good enough to blow out a team like Sacred Heart. 
which is not saying a lot. I mean, I'm they did they did what they were supposed to do, but I thought you out of all the teams locally, and obviously you know Jordan Rowland's explosion offensively, UConn's been the most um, impressive team all around. You take a look at Providence, same t- and, you know they played played against the same team, Sacred Heart, on Wednesday night, or excuse me, Tuesday night, and they were able to take care of business. They won 106 to 60. Um, Afio Diallo, um, he's on the Naismith watch list, along with Vermont's Anthony Lamb, which we'll get into Vermont just a sec. But Diallo, you know, he's shown in that game that he is an elite defender. He can guard multiple positions. Right now, uh, Ed Cooley has him playing the four spot, but you know he can play. You know he can play a little bit of every position, one through four. At least at the co- uh, you know at the college level. But I think he's one of the one of the best lockdown defenders in the country, and he he showed it big time in this game, able to you know chase down get chase down blocks and. I mean, Robinson, they racked up a lot of steals in that game, racked up a lot of blocks. They were dangerous in transition. Um, like UConn, they have a very good um, trio of guards they can go to. They got Pimpkins. They got, obviously, Diallo, Duke, Reeves. Um, and probably the biggest X factor is, you know, getting Greg Grant um, acclimated to their offense. The quicker that happens... That's going to really benefit their front court, which is, you know, a team that really isn't a huge team out there. Greg Grant, you know, he stands at 6'8", 205. He could definitely bolster their front court if he can get better and better as the year goes on. If, if Greg Grant can be a big factor for this team, they definitely could be a tournament team and definitely could probably be a team that could probably win a few games in that tournament. Um, but I, I expect them to probably be you know, close to possibly, you know, winning uh, winning the Big East this year. They're definitely going to be a tender for, for sure and a player for sure to to be, uh, you know, a, a, a reasonable team to win, the, you know, to be a tournament team in March. So we'll see how they do, you know, rest of the year. And then obviously... You got the final two games. I had BC uh, beating Wake in my prediction, and, and and my prediction was pretty accurate. They scored a little bit more than I thought. BC ended up scoring 77 points, which, which they showed that they can score a little bit. Their guard play is probably going to be strong this year as they brought in a transfer from USC, Derek Dorton. I thought he had a strong game, and obviously what probably been the biggest surprise is their freshman, Jay Heath. Um, he was he showed a lot of explosive athleticism. He showed a lot of uh, ability to finish inside, and, he, and his, he has really good slashing ability. So, you know, his defense was really good too. So um, I thought BC really showed themselves defensively. They have a lot of guys that they can, you know, that can defend out there. Um, Nick Popovich, he chipped in 19, shot the ball well from three, scored well inside. So I think BC is going to be a player in the ACC, but I don't think they're going to be a team that's, I mean, they might fl- be flirting with the tournament, but I don't know if they're good enough. They're, right now, they're, they've got a good start. 
But obviously, Wake Forest is probably one of the worst teams in the ACC last year, and they don't look like they're going to be that good this year as well. So it's not like they really play, beat anyone really. Um, they didn't really beat anybody that's really a team that is a contender or really uh, a team that's going to be doing really well this year. So, like I said, we'll see how they do as well. But it's it's really surprising to see how their freshmen have done. I thought C.J. Felder has been was pretty good off the bench as well, showing a lot of athleticism, showing that he can defend and play multiple positions. So, if anything, BC's defense is going to be well improved from last year, and we'll see how well their offense will be. But their defense looks pretty good. They were flying out there, making a lot of plays defensively. Um, and then, obviously, the last game, I had Vermont beating St. Bonaventure. I had Vermont winning big in that game. It ended up being a closer game than that. They uh, Vermont was able to squeak out the victory, 61-59. to Anthony Lamb, he struggled in this game. I thought uh, St. Bonaventure did a good job of defending him, making things tough on him. And um, as I was watching the... Um, the broadcast, I noticed that um, that Anthony Lamb had inspirations of being in the NBA. He had a workout, or he had, you know, he visited some NBA teams, and a lot of NBA teams were, uh, weren't aware of him or, or didn't know who he was. So it's going to, I think, the thing is with Lamb, I mean, he's still getting a lot of attention, you know, as far as, like, his, you know, attention in the in the on the collegiate level, people know who he is because he's he's on the Naismith watch list. He was you know picked one of the top fifty players in the country. So, you know, people kind of know who he is in, in, at least in the collegiate basketball circles, but in the NBA circles they don't. So, it's going to be important for him to kind of um, erase that stigma that he's undersized for his position because I think that's probably the reason why a lot of guys have written him off. Because he's six six and he's, he plays power forward, but he does have good size. He does have a good body, but in order for him to get some more attention and you know at the next level, he's gonna have to improve his perimeter skills. Because it's gonna be tough for him to be a six six power forward and translate in the NBA. We all know Draymond Green is a six seven power forward, but I think Anthony Lamb is at the you know has to kind of do what Draymond Green does as he has to be a guy that does a lot of different things out there on both ends of the floor and I don't think Lamb has shown that quite yet we all know that he can score but he has to really improve on his perimeter skills able to handle the ball better able to you know uh, shoot the three ball consistently he has to do that a lot more better in order for him to get more attention at the next level so we'll see how he does but like I said Vermont did play, you know, well enough to win this game, but I was surprised that they struggled against St. Bonaventure. Um, they show that they have a lot of depth. They they are returning a lot of players from last year, and they, they struggled against an A-10 team and, you know, a lower A-10 team at that. I don't think St. Bonaventure is going to be a team that's going to be really good in the A-10. So, I mean, it's the first game. You know, first game is always you know a lot of first game jitters and guys are trying to fit into their roles so I can understand why they probably would have struggled but 
I still think Vermont, talent-wise, um, they have to they have to play a little bit better than that. If I mean, I expected them to be um, a tournament team this year, so and they were in the tournament last year, so we'll see how they do. I mean, I still think they'll probably be the favorites to win the um, favorites to win the American East, but. It may be tougher than what people thought, or at least what I thought it would be for them. It's going to be tough. And I think Anthony, people kind of know that Anthony Lamb, they know his abilities now. He's going to be on the scouting report, and it was tough for him to get that 15 and 10 because he's, you know, he's probably the top guy you need to stop. And I don't think Vermont has a lot of elite. Uh, they don't have the elite, elite guys to really put the pressure off of Lamb because Lamb's going to be experiencing a lot of double teams and the defense is going to be geared to stop him. So we'll see how Vermont can can counter that because I thought St. Bonaventure did a good job of shutting down, you know, Anthony Lamb in this game and making things tough on Anthony Lamb to really get going in this game. So, but for this week, we're going to wrap it up. Um, we'll get into more of the high school basketball and maybe later on in the month, as that will be starting up pretty soon, we'll get into some preseason rankings. Um, I might have a little, you know, list for that as what are the top um, New England high school teams. I may not make it as a full-fledged list that I'll put on the website, but I will get into the top teams in each state which I ha- already have rankings already on the website of the final standings of last year's, you know, teams that, you know, the, how they finished off last year. I have top 10 rankings of each state, you know, in the New England region. Um, so that's on the website. You can look it up. It's on the local tab. If you click on the local tab, you can find those uh, rankings for each state as far as the high school ranks. But, but for college basketball, we'll definitely get into that every week. We'll definitely get into high school later on in the month as that will be starting up beginning, you know, at the end of November and beginning of December. We'll get into the high school uh, portion of the show. But far as right now, we'll just stick to NBA and college basketball for the next few weeks. All right, we'll wrap this up for this week. This is your host, Rob Morris. You're listening to the Rims and S podcast. I'm out. Peace.